Hello, friends. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the Main Idea Podcast, where today I have the pleasure of sitting down with Gideon Krauss and Dr. Adrian Robinson. A brief disclaimer. I am not a medical professional, and to some degree, I lack the expertise to host a conversation about stem cell research. However, I am curious about stem cell treatment, its risks and benefits, as well as its specific application to grappling and combat sports. Given the proximity of the facility and its potential to help local athletes in the San Diego area, I wanted to host this conversation. I will aim to have a critic of stem cell research on in the future to help balance the delivery of information. If you love this podcast and want to support it, please take 30 seconds and leave a five-star review on Apple or Spotify and subscribe to the YouTube channel. This helps the show get discovered organically and helps me continue to bring on amazing guests. The other way that you can support the show is by sending your favorite episode to someone who loves jujitsu. Let them become part of the community and learn from some of the greatest minds in the sport. Dr. Robinson is an expert in regenerative medicine, anti-aging, intra-articular joint injections, and acupotomy. Gideon Krauss is an executive with 30 years background in business, leadership, and healthcare. I hope that you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Without further ado, Dr. Adrian Robinson and Gideon Krauss. So gentlemen, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule and the launch of the clinic in uh, Tijuana. I want to thank you both for joining me here. All right, thank you. Good, good to be here. My pleasure. So I, before leading into the episode, of course, there will be an introduction, but I figured given uh, the variance in expertise, why don't you both take a minute and kind of explain uh, a little bit about your careers and what led you to this position to come together to launch this facility and help take care of some of the best athletes in the world. Very good. Uh, well, uh, let's, uh, I'll let Dr. Robinson start off with that. Well, I've been working, uh, I graduated in 96, so I've been a long time uh, as a physician, working with stem cells for the past um, eight, ten years, uh, working uh, on alternative medicine also around 15 years now, and um, doing acupotomy, uh, doing uh, neurotherapy, uh, ozone therapy, different other areas of uh, the alternative world. And Gideon? Uh, yeah, so uh, I, I was living in, uh, in Singapore and I was in the green technology business and uh, my friend had just bought a business in Thailand called Global Stem Cells and uh, asked me if I wanted to go and run it because I wasn't really that busy. So uh, I looked into the stem cell uh, technology and uh, was very excited about it. I actually had a, a shoulder injury from, uh, from sports that uh, had had I had an operation and it was okay, but it wasn't 100%. So I said to uh, my now partner, you know, if you can if you can fix my shoulder, I'll join the business. Um, and uh, so I had a stem cell injection into my shoulder, and two months later it was 100%. And so wow. I said, great, I'm in. So uh, so I moved to Thailand, and uh, we started with uh, we started with the stem cell business there in 2013. So if, if we kind of zoom out here for a little bit and talk about the athletic side of things. So that's my background comes from a, a history of skiing, tons of knee injuries, tons of low back lumbar injuries, tons of joint injuries. And through monitoring and watching different athletes that I look up to my whole career, you see a lot of athletes hit this point where they're flying to Colombia, they're flying to Mexico, they're going overseas, they're leaving th the United States and they're going, they're seeking these alternative solutions to 
pre-existing issues that they have that they can't seem to recover from. So maybe we can start really by addressing the elephant in the room in that the United States is not regulating this for treatment, right? But you're seeing it in other places in the world. What are some of the reasons why you see the, the legislation greenlight this, like somewhere in Thailand or in Mexico, and how you're able to service these athletes, yet we're still running into those problems in the United States of getting these kind of things regulated for use? It's a combination of factors. Um, the most important, sadly, is, uh, is uh, the financial uh, availability of profits for the companies that would have to invest in navigating the U.S. regulatory system. You know, every, modern, every modern democracy has uh, a set of health regulations, and if you want to provide a health treatment of any kind, you have to go through their regulations, you have to go through their process. Um, it varies from country to country, um, but they're more similar than they are different in general. And uh, the U.S. has just been caught up in this 50-year quagmire of double-blind, placebo-controlled, phase three clinical trials, which cost a billion dollars. And the only way in which any, any company would be willing to spend any kind of money um, getting these, uh, these kind of processes and drugs and treatments approved uh, is if they can make their money back. And it just so happens with stem cells, very difficult to uh, patent, very difficult to control. Um, and so there just isn't enough financial incentive um, at the end to, uh, to get the treatments uh, approved. And Dr. Robinson, um, from your perspective, how effective, I can imagine where the answer would go, but how effective are stem cells? What are some of the, maybe you can steel man the case for why you would not want to use them and also give some examples of their effectiveness in treatment of athletes, of general population, and why this is an emerging and successful area of expertise that we should really lean into and hope for regulation and approval in the United States. Yes, I mean, one of the reasons is uh, because stem cells basically repair damaged tissue. Therefore, these type of cells, whenever they need to go in our body, they will start repairing all that area. They get a signal from the body and they need to reproduce these cells. Therefore, once the patient has those cells in the body, the body will start using them. Uh, they are basically uh, cells that they have this potential to become whatever our body needs to repair. There are some limitations, uh, like if there's a herniated disc uh, or there's a really tear ligament or a tendon that it needs to be physically repaired, do, uh, with the surgery or so, uh, stem cells are not going to be able to work. But the other areas, most likely stem cells are going to be working into that area because our body needs it. We constantly are reproducing stem cells because our body are, is constantly changing, you know, and, and, and that's the, that is the important part of the stem cells. So if we take, uh, for example, I, I recently went and had an MRI performed and there was a, a C5, C6 herniation from jujitsu, and then also a T3, T4 bulge out the side, which was creating this referred pain underneath my scapula. Would, I, would that be a candidate for some sort of stem cell treatment where you can localize uh, the injection and the treatment to that site, and then like Dr. or like Gideon explained earlier, 
have that pain alleviated that you've been dealing with for a long time? Or, we can or work what's it out. the use yes. case? Yeah, yeah, we can work it out, uh, uh, part of it. I mean, there's some studies that I need to address and check out and, and see, I mean, how the, 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 the problem is that I need to check it out. Uh, but most likely part of it is, is, is okay, herniated disc, um, the body creates this fibrotic tissue. By creating this fibrosis, it is difficult for stem cells to each, uh, either go into that area and repair it. Therefore, most likely it won't work that well. In, in those situations, we use a different technique called acupotomy. It's a, it's a part of our acupuncture treatment that liberates that fibrotic tissue. By liberating that fibrotic tissue, uh, a lot of times we're able to expand the pressure that between one cell, I mean one, one vertebra and the other are causing for that uh, disc to, to bulge out. Right. By liberating that, we're able to expand it and that way we can treat partially the, the, the herniated disc. Then when we apply the stem cells, whatever damage is done into that area, the body will repair it. That sounds like an amazing <laughs> experience. <laughs> the amount of, of just day-to-day -day pain that, that this creates, and, and, and I think this speaks to probably a lot of the listeners and, and some of the people that I already know have come in your facility with Dean Lister and Brandon Moreno, in that as a grappler, as a fighter, you're constantly dealing with some level of pain in that you're fighting all the time, right? This is not yoga. It, it, it's hard on the body. It's tough on the joints. There's a lot of compression. There's a lot of flexion and joints where you want extension and extension where you want flexion. So you see the wear and tear on these athletes over time is so substantial. NFL football players, right? People with a lot of impact in their sport. When someone like uh, a, a Moreno or a Dean Lister comes in and, and they have this lifetime of wear and tear on their body, what is the use case for stem cells for someone like that, and what can the expected benefits be? Because I feel like that's really where uh, the listeners would probably slide into that group of people, where you're doing everything that you can, you're exercising, you're strength training, you're doing all the right things, yet there's still these the nagging pain in different joints that just build up by the fact that you're doing grappling sports and you're doing combat sports. Yes, I mean, it is... Uh, uh the body creates this fibrotic tissue in order to help us out. And by creating this fibrotic tissue, because you know they're created because what you mentioned, you know, all the grappling and, and the lesions that the, the, the fighters get, so the body tries to repair it. But it will not create uh, a, a, another piece of tendon or another piece of a ligament or, 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 or more, more uh, uh, um, you know, uh, part of, the, uh, of this muscle. You know, it will create this fibrotic tissue that by being created limits the flexion, the mobility, and even the stability of that muscle. Why? Because it becomes harder. It's that the end piece of it that becomes harder than when the fighter uh, uh, is doing, you know, the sport or even fighting. He doesn't have that motion, that, that, that uh, elongation part of the, uh, of the tissue because of the fibrosis. That is one of the problems. And, and, and the way we address it over here is, like I mentioned, acupotomy, because we cut in part of the fibrotic tissue, then allowing it to expand. Then when we use the stem cell therapy, that uh, 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 expansion of the area, the stem cells can start working in, in going into places that uh, without it wouldn't be able to reach.
And if I, I and we look behind you, right, there's a hyperbaric chamber. I know that there's several offerings within your facility. And Gideon, when you were thinking of maybe conceptualizing this idea, right, and bringing it down to a facility where people can actually come in and get several different treatments, what caused you to select and choose the different things that you offer? Um, the most important by far, by far, by far, uh, are the stem cells themselves. And we're looking to, you know, to add uh, features that can, uh, in the case of hyperbaric chamber, can activate the stem cells. So the pressurized oxygenation throughout the body uh, participates in, in activating the stem cells. Um, so uh, whenever we can, if, uh, if a patient can, can get in the hyperbaric chamber after the stem cells, that's great. Um, the acupotomy uh, was uh, a happy coincidence because uh, it's not that common. Um, the uh, the study uh, the study of that is uh, is mostly restricted to China, and so uh, Dr. Robson just happened to have that uh, that skill, so it fitted in very nicely. Um, we have a 12-room spa, Medi Spa. So uh, things like uh, lymphatic drainage uh, massage can be uh, can be helpful. So that's uh, that's something that's something that that's useful. And then um, the other the other treatments we have uh, ozone therapy, uh, some anti-aging treatments. You know they're all they're all useful and they all fit in. Um, but uh, they're bells and whistles. The most the most important by far is the stem cells and the quality of the cells and the uh, consistency in manufacture and handling and administration of the cells. That's by far the most important. The rest is, is icing 5%, 10% at max. Maybe we can dig on that for a moment. Um, you said you mentioned handling the care. What would you say is something that differentiates for your facility and really puts the credibility behind it in this handling and care view versus some of the other places in the world that may say or claim that they're providing that level of care but aren't? Yeah, um, well, when you asked me before about regulations, um, I didn't uh, expand fully about what's happening in the US. And uh, if I tell a, li a little bit about that, that will probably help to lead into uh, what's important about uh, our facility and, and, uh, and our clinic uh, uh, program. So uh, in the, there, there are two main sources of stem cells. Either stem cells come from yourself, usually from fat tissue, or from bone marrow, from a, a bone marrow, they call it an aspiration. It sounds really painful, but actually it's not. It's a needle that goes in uh, usually to the hip or um, some other large joint, a large bone, and extracts the bone marrow. Um, it's fast, it's, it's like a 20 minute procedure. Um, so that's one source of stem cells. The other source of stem cells from, uh, from the patient's own cells are, are from fat. Now, that uh, is uh, something that was quite popular in the US about 10 years ago. Um, we stopped using uh, patients' own cells uh, about eight years ago, and independently, my partner here in, in, uh, in Mexico also did the same thing, uh, unless someone absolutely insists, usually for religious reasons. Uh, perhaps they're a Jehovah's Witness is a common, uh, is a common objection. Um, then. Uh, all of our patients receive donor cells from a healthy donor. 
Now, what happened in the US was <coughs> the FDA came after the doctors 10 years ago and the doctors pushed back and said, we're using the patient's own cells, it's not a drug. Because it's not a drug, it's not FDA, it's nothing to do with you. So lots of lawsuits backwards and forwards. Um, about four years ago, or maybe yeah, f uh, four years ago, let's say, uh, possibly five, the, uh, uh, the FDA said to all the stem cell practitioners in the US, you need to get together, you need to record your data, you need to standardize your programs. We'll give you three years to do it. If you don't do it, we'll shut you down. And sure Ample enough, time. they didn't do it and the FDA shut them down. So probably 90 to 95% of all the gray stem cell practitioners in the US that were there, there was probably about four to 500 eight years ago. Um, and now there's probably 20 or 30. Uh, and they're operating on the sort of outskirts of what the FDA allows, and it, they won't advertise, they won't put any signs up, uh, and when you get in there, they'll say, oh, do you want some stem cells? Now, the problem with that is uh, if it's your own cells, then the processing is not that difficult, but there are risks to it, uh, especially local infection, not a huge risk, but a risk. But if you're using donor cells, this is where the problem has arisen in the US. Um, the, uh, completely illegal, completely unapproved by the FDA, always has been and for the next probably five or ten years uh, will be uh, not allowed by the FDA. But um, the universities got together with doctors and there's something called a uh, institutional review board, uh, which is a, uh, essentially a clinical study. So. Uh, what a lot of universities were doing were partnering with a doctor, offering a paid clinical study, and then providing donor cells. And there were, at one point, maybe 15 laboratories in the US that were doing this. Uh, the FDA has cracked down a lot. Most of the universities have said, we don't want to touch it. The point of the whole uh, uh, story is that producing quality, high quality stem cells is expensive and requires a lot of investment because the industry was never stable enough in the US, the US cell quality has never been as good as it is outside of the US because the business isn't ongoing. You know, we have an ongoing business in Mexico, in Colombia, in Panama. Uh, actually, Ukraine was one of the world leaders of uh, stem cells, unfortunately. Um, and uh, also in, uh, in Germany and in India. Um, they're the sort of main areas where there's been significant investment. So for our clinic, um, the, uh, the cells are under our control, so we select the donors, we do the liposuction ourselves, we do all the screening, we isolate the cells at our bank in, in Guadalajara, um, and those cells are checked and cleaned and, and the uh, immune the immune response ability of those cells is, is adjusted so that there's no risk of rejection. That's the standard process throughout the world. And then they're frozen at minus 80 degrees centigrade until they're shipped to Tijuana. We have our own bank here where they're kept at minus 80 degrees. And then when the patient needs them, we just need an hour, hour and a half notice to bring them up to temperature, uh, to usable temperature. Uh, and if you look under a microscope, the cells are alive, they're moving around. Uh, all, of our, all of our batches are tested for everything you can think of. Um, so there's no risk of rejection, there's no risk of infection. 
um, and it's just a very simple and easy, easy process where these cells, you know, we just order them and you know, an hour later we inject them into the patient, but our company controls them from beginning to end, and that's very hard to find anywhere else. So if we talk about this, this procedure of extraction, you said that there, one opportunity is that you're going through your own fat tissue or your own bone, right, and you're extracting the stem cells and then using them on yourself. Where are the other stem cells coming from? Um, the, the difference between using your own cells and using someone else's cells um, is um, just a difference of whether it's you or someone else. The source of the cells from the donor is the same, but in our case, um, we use mostly fat tissue. But those are the donor is a deceased. No, um, no, they're live, they're healthy, alive. 20, live, healthy, twenty to twenty-two year old, um, genetically screened for every possible mutation, uh, and no diseases, um, as healthy as healthy as you can find. And we actually select that person. It takes about a year before we find someone, they need to be tested ongoing, and then, and then we use their fat, and that's where the cells come from. So, I, I mean, since we have the time, I, this is, I find this really interesting. So, on the donor side of it, is this something where, like when I was in college, I remember that you could sign up for these studies, right, where you go in and they basically hook you up to an IV or something like that, and they monitor you for 24 hours. When you're a broke college student, it's great, because they pay you, you know, 500 or $600, and you, essentially are a lab rat. So for these donors that are, that are qualifying based on this criteria, they have no genetic mutations, no likelihood for rejection, are they, they're, they're completely healthy, voluntary going and they're signing up at a facility that's like a stem cell bank essentially? And um, it's a free liposuction, that's what they get. Got you, and then those are extracted, stored, and wait. And while they're stored at this negative 80 degrees centigrade, that basically freezes the cell in exactly its same state until you want to bring it up to temperature, correct? Exactly, exactly. Um, actually, there's a, there's a bank in, uh, uh, I, think, I think it's somewhere in, somewhere in Switzerland, and they banked cells, it's now 28 years ago, and every month they defrost them and test them to make sure that they're okay. So we know that the cells can maintain full viability for at least 28 years, but it's an ongoing experiment. What are, so whenever I hear stuff like this, I just start wondering, I'm like, what's the downside? What's, like, you know, we have an outlier case, right, in, that everyone reads about. I mean, do a cursory search on stem cells in the United States, and you're guaranteed to find this article that happened in Florida where uh, people receive stem cell injections for <coughs> some sort of malfunction in the eye. Several people had a contraindication or they got sick from that, and then they went blind, and this was one event, I think with four people, I may be misquoting that, but you read that and that's very impactful, right? It's scary, uh, it, m it makes you second guess it. How many cases are there like that? And maybe on that same talk a bit, when, since you've opened your facility, have you ever had an instance in which uh, a patient's body did reject the treatment? Right, okay, there's a few questions there. Um, the last question first, no. Um, stem cells are immunogenically privileged, uh, part one, and part two is in the, in the manufacturing process, the success of the advance of treatments with stem cells uh, 
is about probably 2002, 2003, uh, the process of desensitizing the surface of the cells so that there's no antigens for the immune system to interact with uh, means there's no rejection. So um, I, I, hi I hired a stem cell doctor in 2013, uh, immediately when we went to Thailand. He was living in China. Uh, and he had been responsible for 17,000 cases, and he brought all of his data with him. And then since then, we've done many, many thousands uh, ourselves, and we've never had a single case of, uh, of any immunogenic, immunogenic response that is significant enough where it's any kind of issue. In fact, um, if you have an organ transplant uh, as, you know, from, a, from a donor, then um, the use of stem cells to limit graft-versus-host disease uh, is now, in, is now in, in studies uh, so that the stem cells actually stop the rejection rather than anything else, but that's of an organ. So in our case, uh, we've never had any, 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 uh, any negative uh, issue. Um, in, terms of, uh, in terms of the downsides and you know, the too-good-to-be-true kind of thing, um, the whole of, the whole of the, what we were talking before about the FDA and phase three clinical trials and spending a billion dollars and all of that, the reason that that system is set up, partly for, it, it partly benefits the pharmaceutical companies, but it also benefits the uh, it benefits the general public as well. And in the last 50 years, if you look at almost every medical breakthrough, then that breakthrough has side effects. It has things that can can alter. Um, and the reason is that most of these medicines, almost every drug, almost every medicine, in some way inhibits or interferes or changes. Or you know, if you have high cholesterol and you take a statin to reduce your cholesterol, then it reduces cholesterol by stopping the body um, depositing plaque inside, inside the arteries. It actually interferes with that process. It doesn't reduce your cholesterol at all. Uh, the statin doesn't reduce your cholesterol. It interferes with the body's process. Now, when you interfere with anything that the body does, often there's a price to be paid later. And, you know, you see drugs that get recalled 10 years later, 15 years later, uh, sometimes for really big issues uh, like you know, thermaldehyde or um, sometimes for small things, uh, but the molecules and the science and the drugs and all of these pharmaceutical creations, they have downsides. Stem cells are the exact way in which the body repairs itself and when you have a transplant of stem cells, taking someone else's stem cells, it just so happens by, you know, by biological determination that there's no risk, there's no downside, there's no side effects. The worst thing that can possibly happen is, you know, you don't get a, as good a response as, uh, as you're expecting. And that is the exciting and amazing thing about stem cells. And that's why there's more than 7,000 clinical trials going on right now all around the world on all the different uses of stem cells. But we're in the early commercialization and you know, we actually treat patients. We've been treating patients for 10 years and you know, we're constantly amazed, but you know, there's, almost no medical, there's almost no medical treatment you can find of any kind that has no side effects. Every operation, every, you know, every drug that you take has a list of side effects sometimes, you know, including some pretty severe ones. 
but stem cells, uh, stem cells are, they just happen by biological design to be easily accepted. And the body takes them in, says, thank you very much, I needed those, and gets to work. And uh, Dr. Robinson, maybe you can speak on this, the, the embryonic stem cells and stem cells in general, where, where is that division and are, or are they the same thing? Because I know that morally that seems to be a spot where people get a sticking point is the idea that you're getting an injection from a fetus that's no longer alive is very disheartening. Yes. So uh, what, what is that, uh, the different options for where they come from? And, and maybe you can just speak a little bit on, on that moral dilemma, embryonic stem cells, stem cell treatment from the medical view. Actually, so maybe I could jump in on that one. Yeah, um, go for it. No clinic anywhere in the world in the last 20 years has ever used embryonic stem cells for anybody. You couldn't even find them if you wanted to. There were embryonic stem cells used originally for research and in some, you know, in some situations there is some small use of, uh, of embryonic stem cells. Uh, but all the cells that we have, we use in every other clinic are adult stem cells. An adult stem cell means when the baby is born, cells are already mature they're not they're not changing so it's just that it's just doesn't exist umbilical cord can be used you know the, we can use the blood from there from the fat from the uh, uh, bone marrow those are the typical ones that we use okay uh, we have to understand this why is the importance of stem cells stem cells are cells that they have not become in anything yet but they have the potential to become the cell that the body needs they can transform into an eye cell or, or, or a lung cell or, or, or any other tissue that the body needs. Therefore, by having a healthier cell in your body, when, this is the thing, the cells, the accumulation of cells creates tissues. The accumulation of the tissue becomes an organ. The accumulation of the organs is a whole body. Therefore, if we have good cells in our body, they are constantly changing and reproducing according to our needs, our body is gonna become healthier. Sounds good to me. <laughs> I, I wonder where that comes from though, because that's, that's a sentiment, right? That's a sentiment that a lot of people seem to have, even if it's unfounded. When did that start to become the narrative around this? I, I mean, I- well, It's never been, never been anything else other than that. It's just, it's just a few, you know, it's a bit of press here and there, and uh, you know, people like to uh, to have uh, shock news and get em embryonic stem cells are completely irrelevant in in all aspects of commercial treatments. See, I think I think this is a really important talking point because many people that I've come into contact, and myself included, been in athletics my entire life. The perception many times is that that's what this is. Right, that stem cell treatment, period, is embryonic stem cells, and it's a, a moral issue to get treatment. And there's just not, a, there's not an understanding of the fact that everything that you just said, that these are voluntary donors, they're screened prior, they're stored properly, they're uh, brought up to temperature properly, and then administered in professional facilities all over the world by people that have integrity in the business and what they're trying to do. Yet many individuals have the perception that that's not the case. And so it's very important to clear up 
the narrative around that because as this gets, uh, as this gains, you know, more steam, not that it hasn't globally, but I mean, FDA approval on this kind of thing would be massive, right? That's not only is it a massive opportunity for individuals seeking care, athletes seeking care, but also for business uh, and in healthcare and in pr the progressive future of healthcare offerings for people. Outside of conversations like this, how do you think that stem cell research and stem cell treatment can start to begin to gain better understanding of the procedures themselves amongst individuals? Uh, it's it's always driven by consumer consumer need. It's always driven by that and nothing nothing more. So you know when people realise that uh, that they can go to another country and get get stem cells, then um, then they do, and then they you know they talk to they talk to their friends and uh, and that's how you know that, that's how things uh, progress. Um, I mean, of course we. You know, we do our best to communicate uh, the most important aspects of uh, coming to Tijuana for treatment. Um, the, one of the things that we haven't mentioned is uh, we have a federal government license specifically for stem cells. Uh, it's called a Medicina Regenerativa, Regenerative Medicine. And there's only 10 clinics in Mexico um, that are retail clinics like ours that have the license. There's about 28 licenses in the whole country. But some are with banks, some are with uh, hospitals and research institutes. Uh, but for terms of commercial, commercial clinics that treat the general public, um, then it's the, there's a very small number. So the Mexican government um, five years ago uh, recognized that, uh, that stem cells were one of the most important health breakthroughs uh, and that uh, most places in the world they were getting pulled down in old style of uh, old style of regulations, and it was actually my partner here in the clinic. Um, he's a plastic surgeon, and he was a former head of the FDA for Mexico. Um, he went to the Senate with the legislation, with all the studies, and spent two years getting regenerative medicine, getting stem cells legally approved in Mexico. So when when someone comes here, um, you know, we, they can see a copy of our of our regenerative medicine license. Uh, it's fully regulated, uh, fully licensed, and uh, and fully fully controlled. We have you know we have a lot of reporting that we have to do on our protocols uh, and all of the batches. Every every batch of stem cells is recorded. Every every batch comes with a certificate for the uh, uh, for the patient. Um, and so uh, you know all all we can do to answer your question on. Education is, you know, is getting out there and telling people uh, this is, you know, this is how it works. And the most important thing is that whatever you can find in the U.S., uh, we're better, uh, we're better, we're more experienced, and we're significantly cheaper uh, because that's all we do. Uh, in fact, we're just building a new laboratory in uh, in Guadalajara, which is five times the size of the current one, so and that's only to produce stem cells. If I'm a if I'm an individual and I go to, I mean, I have enough qualms with the healthcare industry in general, having been an athlete my whole life seeking care. And if currently there's not FDA approval of stem cell, if I go to my doctor, general practitioner, for some sort of pain and I'm looking for a solution, usually they're going to try to prescribe you medications, right, prescriptions, 
um, which you alluded to, you listen to the commercials and they go side effects may include, and then it's <laughs> a list of things that ends usually in death, right? So <laughs> there's, there's plenty that can go wrong there. How will I get a recommendation in the United States to then know that I actually might need to come down uh, to your facility? It, it, it will go two ways. Um, most likely way is that your doctor will protect their license and their reputation and they will say it's not FDA approved therefore I cannot recommend it, I cannot endorse it, I cannot say anything about it. Um, and then the other doctors will say exactly the same thing but I can tell you for sure it works because there's now uh, 117,000 trials on on stem cells completed and you don't complete 117,000 trials on anything if it doesn't work because you don't get past the first 20. Um, and uh, the other point that you can try and get out of your doctors is the FDA, most doctors, they know that stem cells are effective and that they're safe. And if they weren't, then it would be completely shut down, it would be completely outlawed, there'd be no IRBs, there'd be no anything. Um, and if you were doing something that was actually damaging people, there's no way the FDA, there's, there's nothing that the FDA let go on that damages people, ever. So it's almost like an implied thing, um, and they're just looking for ways in which, the FDA are looking for ways in which they can accelerate, uh, accelerate approval, but when you, you know, when you go to your doctor, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're rolling the dice because, you know, the, the vast majority of U.S. doctors, you know, are stuck in a medical system that doesn't really cure people. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, look at root causes. All it does is uh, keeps people sick and, and the money train rolling. Uh, and so, you know, there's, there's definitely a conflict of interest. Um, and we hear, we hear different things. You know, some doctors say, yeah, it's great, go for it. Most doctors will say, don't do that because I can't, I can't stand behind it because the government won't let me. So now let's assume that you're someone who is in the United States. Uh, we'll use the grappler as the example, given the podcast. Uh, you're a grappler. You don't have health care. You're experiencing some kind of pain. W how does that person begin to interact with your facility? and start that process? Right, well we have, a, we have a website that explains the treatments, the options. It has uh, quite a lot of uh, FAQs on it. You know, where do the stem cells come from? Are they safe? Um, on there it will say in big red letters, we do not and have never used embryonic stem cells, just in case people um, you know, have that, uh, have that uh, perception coming in. Um, so we would always encourage someone to have a look at the website and just you know, see some uh, see some general aspects of uh, of how the treatment works. Uh, there are plenty of testimonials there and on on uh, on Instagram. You know, we have dozens of testimonials on Instagram, so that will get people to understand a little bit about the process and all the rest of it. Um, and then and then contact us. Uh, we have six uh, we have six patient coordinators, all of whom are trained very very thoroughly in what stem cells are, how they work, what different indications, what each patient can expect, uh, in what cases we may not be able to help them. Uh, so what we'd encourage someone to do is to contact us and, uh, and ask their questions and then uh, after a, a short process 
then they'd be passed on for a consultation um, to either Dr. Robinson or one of the other doctors uh, that deal with stem cells. And you know, we'd explain the treatments and, uh, and, and, and book them in. Um, the great thing about most of the treatments is that they don't last more than an hour. Um, so you know, people can do same day, there's very little downtime. Uh, the only thing that we do say is because the stem cells are prepared individually for each patient when they're ordered, then um, the patient does have to pay for the cells before we, we uh, deliver them um, so that uh, otherwise they can get wasted. They need to be used within a few hours. Is it possible to stack treatments if someone was making a trip down from San Diego, for example, and they wanted to make the most use of their time? Are you able to do stem cell treatment, hyperbaric chamber, kind of stay for the day type thing? What Absolutely. is the, the clinic experience on that level? Yeah, that's a good question. So we also pick up in San Diego. We have transport service. Um, some people have no problem driving to the border and walking across. Some people have no problem driving in. Some people are a little bit reticent. And so we pick them up and bring them in. And when they hear, they say, wow, this place is, is just great. Not just the clinic, but you know, Tijuana in general. Uh, we're downtown in the middle of the business district. We've got HSBC Bank on one side, AT&T on the other. Um, we're one block from Costco. So, you know, it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty developed and safe, uh, safe part of the world, even though, you know, some people are a little bit uh, concerned. And the uh, food but, is uh, so good. Yeah, the food. Uh, I don't know terrible. if you saw. Uh, I don't know if you saw my uh, interview with Dean Lister. Uh, I did. Yeah, yeah. The, when I said to him, "Do you feel safe coming down here?" Like, <laughs> I mean, hey, if if Dean Lister doesn't feel safe, I definitely don't feel safe. Well, it was. I was talking about his girlfriend, so that was. Uh, oh, gotcha. So yeah, so that was that was quite amusing. Um, so uh, yeah, so what what usually happens is patient comes down, uh, they'll finish the consultation, get some acupotomy. Uh, order the stem cells, uh, have a massage, get the stem cells, then a hyperbaric chamber, maybe a reflexology, depending on where the cells are going in. Um, and many people bring their companions, so the companion can have a, a massage, facial, uh, Botox and fillers are also very complementary to, uh, to the facial stem cells that we do. Um, and so you know, people spend a whole day here. Uh, there's plenty of plenty of good places for, for lunch. Uh, we're very central, secure parking. So uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, it can be as short as you know 30 minutes, or some people stay three four days. Uh, if if we get the opportunity, then there's a, there's a treatment called chelation, which removes heavy metals uh, via an IV uh, drip. If someone can stay two or three days, then you know we can prepare them with uh, high doses of uh, of flavonoids, and uh, we can do uh, we can do chelation, and then do the stem cells on the second or the third day. Uh, uh, they can do up to ten days of detox program here. We have a full detox program, uh, but that's only you know that's only a minority of people. Right, right. The majority of people want to come in, spend a couple of hours, relax, get a massage and be on their way. So if we hone in again here on the grappler, Dean Lister is the perfect example, right? That guy's an absolute monster. He's an accomplished world champion. He has put his body through the absolute ringer in so many regards. When I think to uh, teammates 
viewers, listeners, other people that I bump into within the world of grappling, most common things that you hear about in terms of complaints and things that people seek to improve in physical training, strength and conditioning, uh, cervical issues, it, whether that be something like what I have, which is a C5, C6 herniation, or stingers, compression, anything from the head driving into something or getting kind of sprung back, and then lumbar issues, specific to grappling, because there's so much spinal flexion and extension constantly against your partner. And then knee problems, right? ACLs, MCLs, PCL. There's so much torsion in that joint that it's not that it always tears. There's many people that suffer like a meniscus injury or ACL injury, but it's not a full tear. Where along that spectrum of injury does stem cell really function the best? And if, if we're thinking of other people in the San Diego area, right? I'm in Encinitas. There's such a concentration of combat sports athletes, grapplers, jiu-jitsu practitioners, judo players that are here uh, that many don't have health care but train so frequently. What is the, the best case for them? What's the incentive for them to come down? What does sure. that kind of treatment sure. look like for them? Well, stem, cell, stem cells have uh, multiple properties. They have four main properties, which are actually extraordinary because any one of the single properties is already incredible. But you have to understand that stem cells are the building blocks of life. Stem cells are what create the differentiation between all of our different organs and all of everything about our body. It all comes from stem cells. So this incredible uh, capacity that they have um, across really quite different and distinct uh, aspects of biological function, um, it's worth mentioning because then that will answer your question. Yeah. So. Um, the mo most obvious and easy one is, you know, meniscus tear or uh, ACL, PCL, MCL, um, a direct joint injection of stem cells. We also use, excuse me, we also use exosomes, um, which are like a byproduct of the stem cells, and we add them together because it increases the healing capacity and the sort of size of the army. Um, but uh, Direct, inject direct joint injections to the joint that is causing the problem um, is the cleanest and most uh, clear application. And the stem cells can differentiate into the cartilage and tendon cells and muscle as well. Um, they also have the property of uh, supervising the healing process. So that they're like generals that tell the rest of the healing process what to do but they also go in there themselves. So that's the second property. The third property, probably the most important and little understood uh, by the layperson, is they have incredible anti-inflammatory uh, abilities. And all, all pain, all disease, it's all inflammation. Everything is inflammation. And so these stem cells, yes, they're repairing by sending sending repair signals and sending actual uh, workers to fix it. Yes, they're differentiating into the cells and yes, they're diff splitting themselves and, and increasing the number of healthy cells that are coming into the area and they're doing, and they have the, uh, the anti-inflammation. Um, but uh, this, this, this anti-inflammation property um, is even more interesting for the areas 
like the lumbar areas where you know where you have you have bulging discs and you have herniations and uh, areas where there is damage and there is pain uh, but it's not necessarily a tear to be fixed by a specific injection. The fourth property that stem cells have uh, which is not relevant in this case uh, is immunomodulation. They are incredibly good at uh, adjusting, modulating and uh, balancing uh, someone's immune system. And that is extremely important in other types of use of stem cells. But when we're talking about orthopedic use of stem cells, then it's the three aspects that I mentioned. So what we typically find is someone will come here and say, right, okay, let's do both knees, uh, my left shoulder, um, my right second finger, which was damaged, and they'll get direct injections to all of those. Then when we go to areas like the lumbar region, um, cervical, cervix, that, those kind of issues, then it's a little bit less clear uh, as to what specific repair or adjustment the stem cells are going to make. And we'll tend to say to someone, look, let's do some small injections of a few five million stem cells in a few different areas, and let's look for the, let's look for the inflammation to go down and uh, be regulated and if you're lucky then some of the micro tears the stem cells may get in there so um, we're extremely confident um, and almost you know almost 100 percent success rate 95 plus on joints uh, you know any kind of any kind of soft tissue tear um, when you talk about the more complex areas where there's compressions and that then we'll say to someone pretty good chance that you're going to get some positive results um, but we're not fixing anything specific and so better to uh, uh, better to sort of adjust your expectations and still do it um, and uh, and that's the that's the basic use I haven't talked about IV use we haven't really talked about IV for stem cells uh, maybe we'll discuss that in the next section uh, but that's that's the most common usage and, for, and uh, for Dr. Fighters. Robinson alluded to that a little bit before with the cervical spine stuff, and it can create space within the, the disc, but it's kind of a, it's not as pinpoint, right, as some of the other areas. So you're still going to get a benefit, but it's not as crystal clear as if it's, uh, let's say, a knee joint, a finger joint, a wrist joint, something like that. When, uh, let's say s someone has, um, I'm just trying to think of the experience for someone who's coming in with pain, and I guess for this example, we'll assume that it works to the degree that you want it to work to. Is this a, they come in, they do the treatment, they leave with reduced levels of pain and more function in the joint? Or what is the return um, after they go through the treatment or if they do multiple, like you just said, and maybe they do a couple joints? And then on top of All that, how long can they expect for that improvement to last before sure. they need to do another injection or change the way that they go about their day-to-day -day lifestyle? Yes, all depends on the damage that the uh, patient may have, and sometimes we do several joints. Um, like uh, Mr. Gideon mentioned, also a lot of times we do, on top of that, we do IVs because also start repairing internally, so they, they get a, also a, a good response after that. Usually stem cells will last, or their peak or maximum expression will be around a month and a half, three weeks to, to a month and a half to two months. 
that is the maximum ability of the stem cells to start reproducing and start doing their action. So uh, uh, patients, not only they have to wait all that length of time in order to see the effect of the stem cells, they see it pretty much right away. They start feeling uh, less, less, less pain, uh, less inflammation, and, 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 and if they do it in conjunction with acupotomy, they can right away see the mobility of the joint, and, 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 and they see good results right away. There's a bit more to it that I'd like to add as well, because there's yes. recovery, yep. and everyone wants to get back into it. So we did uh, Tim Elliott, the UFC, UFC ranked fighter. <laughs> Uh, yeah, sorry? No, I was joking. I was joking. I was like, who's that? You know, it's awesome oh, okay. that you guys are getting uh, these top-level guys in there. It's amazing. Uh, so we did Tim Elliott's knee. He was back in training 10 days. We said to him, don't, you know, but everyone, these guys that <laughs> are listening, you know, they, they need to do it. They need, and he, he, was, he did really well. Um, a typical, a typical uh, pathway would be um, first 10 days, uh, you might get some benefit. Uh, as Dr. Robinson says, uh, a month and a half is maybe two months. That's when continue, 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 continue. And then in, two, in month two to three, you might get some additional benefit. And very occasionally in month four, something additional happens as well. Um, and then that level that you've maintained of repair, that will last until you do something to wear it out and right. depending on your training regime um, if you're training really hard then you know you could be looking at every three to six months training away the benefits if you're you know if you're basically let's say a professional uh, a professional athlete if you're a keen amateur then you know you may easily get a year to two years if you're a regular amateur then you're looking at three to ten years of maintaining that benefit before you start to get back in and, and you know and wear it out and all the rest of it. So we you know we would very often get five eight years of maintained uh, pain reduction or elimination, but if someone's training super hard, you know they might get six months. Yeah, maybe I, a year. it definitely seems like the the grappler, the, the combat athlete is kind of the extreme use case because it's so intense all the time and it's so much wear and tear through multiple different movements. Whereas if you're a sedentary individual and you have some joint pain and then you go and do a procedure like this, I would imagine that that's going to last you quite a long time because the activity on the joint is pretty low to begin with. Yeah, even if you're working out regularly, mm -hmm. but when you're stressing to the maximum, yep. then you know that's when... Yeah, uh, but it's still worth doing because those gains couldn't be made any other way, number one. Number two is if you don't do it, then you're starting from a, an inferior position and it's just going to get worse. So, you know, uh, considering the low cost of our procedures, you know, someone who is in any way professional, um, then the cost is negligible. Someone who's a keen amateur, well, you know, if they're spending $3,500 you know, once a year to keep themselves in, in, out of pain, then, right. you know, it's probably, it's probably a good deal. Someone who maybe doesn't, isn't that well funded and, it, you know, is really aggressively training, maybe trying to break in as a professional or something, then, you know, they might think that twice a year was probably too much.
can, is it possible to differentiate between uh, PRP and stem cell injection if we speak maybe to knee injuries as they're so common sure. in these sports? Um, yeah, PRP is the, uh, is the poor junior cousin of stem cells. So PRP is a blood treatment um, and blood has some stem cells and it has other growth factors. And PRP, all you do is you take blood and you spin it and you concentrate uh, the platelets to usually six to eight times the, uh, the, the level that you have in, just in regular blood. And, uh, and that's your platelet-rich plasma. Um, so that has some healing capacity. Uh, I had that on my shoulder in 2003. No, uh, no. It works fine. Uh, but it, uh, in, ter- in relation to uh, in relation to stem cells, it's approximately one sixth to one eighth of the healing power. So really, really no 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 comparison at all. In a certain in certain cases, uh, PRP can be can be good in combination with stem cells. But really, with the stem cells and the exosomes, we don't even bother with PRP. Uh, additionally, in the U.S., well, U.S. healthcare generally is overpriced, uh, but yeah. PRP, PRP, you know, doctors will charge between five hundred dollars and fifteen hundred dollars for a PRP procedure, and the true value of that procedure is centrifuge, blood, spin, inject, one hundred and fifty bucks. That's what it should cost, you know, and so. Um, we generally advise against PRP because most people will be grossly overpaying for it, and in relation to in relation to stem cells, then it's just you know, we don't. Yeah, they, we had a. It's out of pocket, first of all, almost unanimously, and I I was considering this for my knees actually about two years ago, and the out of pocket cost was three hundred fifty dollars per knee. Per knee. And the the likelihood that it's resolved is, you know, it's like a dice roll. They, they, there are no promises to it actually improving the joint. I've had people that have done it, and uh, there's some that claim absolutely no change at all, some that claim some change, some that claim longer change that then falls off. But then there's the element of, is it really actually working or is there the placebo that you went through and you did the procedure? Right, it, really, it really works. PRP, PRP heals, no doubt about it. It's just like I said, you know, it's, 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 weak, it's, weak, it's weak source com- when, you, when you have stem cells and exosomes as an option. Subaru, Ferrari. Yeah. The thing is yeah. this, I mean, plasma-rich in platelets is totally different than just stem cells. I mean, stem cells are the ones that want to become a, a potential cell that needs to be repaired. Plasma-rich platelets, those are already uh, cells that they already started developing something, okay? Uh, so, yes, they get benefit. I mean, don't take me wrong. They are good in s- certain uh, situations, but we cannot compare the, the PRP into plasma, into the, the stem cells. They're totally different. I feel like if, uh, if some sort of way you can facilitate a partnership with the UPI that they're building in Tijuana, you will have such a, a tunnel into amazing business because there are going to be so many more athletes in the addition to Yair Rodriguez and the addition to Brandon Moreno, Alexa Grasso, all these people that are going to be right there in Tijuana training at the absolute peak of their careers and having these kind of resources nearby uh, potentially could be game changing for them to be able to train more frequently, train more intensely 
and stay on top of their game, whereas other athletes in other places, if they don't have access to that kind of treatment, then it's a disservice to themselves. Do you guys have plans of integrating relationships with them, with the UPI, UFC? Is that possible? Uh, yes, very much so. Um, uh, we already have uh, a good relationship with the UFC. Um, we're not allowed to publicize and use their logos and name, right. uh, but uh, we are approved for stem cells for their fighters. That's incredible. Well, yeah. gentlemen, I, I want to be respectful of your time. Um, as someone in San Diego, I, I'm tempted to come down and, and do the little trip. It's awesome that the facility does provide that kind of transportation and experience for people. So I hope that this helps with the exposure. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to be on here and talk about treatments because we're all pushing our bodies to the limit constantly. And having alternative ways to heal and to progress are really important. Very good, very good. Well, thank you very much. And uh, well, we look forward to hearing from uh, any of your uh, listeners. Absolutely. Sure.